Well, we are very excited to start this new series, the series on creation. I'm very excited uh, to start it, discovering what we are made for. These are life's biggest questions, the questions that we all long to know the answer to. All of us are created to want to know the answers to these questions of where do I come from? Do I have value? What is my purpose? What went wrong? And is there hope? We crave these answers. We long for these answers. And by His grace, God has given us the answers to these questions. But He has instilled in each of our hearts those questions that we might go to Him and seek Him for the answers. We are going to discover from Genesis 1-3 through the answers to life's biggest questions. The book of Genesis literally means the book of beginnings. And that's where we look to find the answers to these. The beginning of the world. The beginning of time. To see who God is and what he has done. The book of Genesis is written by Moses. Uh, Moses is writing this book to Israelites. Wandering in the desert. Wandering and wondering, what is God doing? Do I have any purpose uh, is there any point to my life? Do I have any value? Where, where did I come from? What went wrong? Is there any hope? And so you see these questions that they have are the same questions we have today, which Moses answers through the inspired word of God in the book of Genesis. And so these are eternal questions that every person needs to deal with in their life. And so that's why I'm so excited for us to go through this and discover the answers to these questions. So today, we're going to look at that first question. Where did I come from? Where did I originate? Where did I start? And the answer to this is far more consequential than we think. It has far more implications than we can probably even understand in our life of where did we come from? So we're going to read Genesis chapter 1. If you would turn to Genesis chapter 1, in whatever Bible you have, it's probably page one. So that's a, uh, we could be united in that today. Genesis chapter one. We're going to read uh, a bigger section than normal, a much bigger section than normal. And we're going to kind of look at it from a bird's eye view up high. Uh, and these, this is probably, you know, some of the most famous verses in all of human literature. And my prayer is that we would read it afresh. And so we're going to read a large chunk. Genesis one. Verse 1 through 27. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. As we read through this, notice some of the repetitions that come up in this passage. Verse 6, And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. 
And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants, yielding seed, and fruit trees, bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Let's pray. Lord God, as we read the account of how it all started, where we came from, God. We know that this text is not intended to answer every question we have, but it's intended to answer the most important questions, the questions that our hearts long to know that are substantially important to our life. Pray that you would open our hearts to see the glory and the wonder of your creation, of what you have done in us. And we pray this all in Christ's name, amen. Many of you know I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, and after high school, I went to school in Columbia, Missouri, which is about two hours away. It's the State University of Mizzou. And when I was at the University of Missouri, something very funny kind of appeared to me or, or became aware, I became aware of. Whenever you come across someone from St. Louis, and maybe you know someone from St. Louis, so you can try this out, but 
you would ask the same question every time. You would say, what high school did you go to? And so we would be at campus, and I would meet someone, and I'd say, hey, where are you from? And they'd say, oh, I'm from St. Louis. And I'd say, oh, yeah, I'm from St. Louis too. And then the next question, either that they would ask or that I would ask is, oh, really, what high school did you go to? I, I, I don't com- completely know or understand why this was the question that everybody asked, but it became the joke. Everybody knew that when you're from St. Louis, you ask, what high school did you go to? And for some reason, it was very, very important to know, where did you come from? Where did you come from? And part of it, I think, was probably negative as far as saying, let me classify you so I can see if I'm superior to you or if I'm inferior to you. Part of it was just to know, what's your life like? What was your life growing up? Because you grew, in that, grew up in that community of St. Louis. But what high school they went to was very important. For us, where you came from is extremely important. It has many ramifications as we talked about. And the first question that we're talking about again is where did I come from? Where did we come from? And it is significant in answering the remaining of the questions in this series. And so to establish this foundation today is very important in going forward. If you look in Genesis 1, keep your Bibles open there if you would. Verse 26, God says, I'm just going to read the beginning. In the beginning of verse 27, he says, Then God said, let us make man. Verse 27, so God created man. There's the answer from Scripture. That we came from God. That God created us. Psalm 139, 13 puts it this way. You formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And so God has created all of us. He has knit us together in our mother's womb. That we came, the Bible is very clear that you did not come by circumstance, by mistake, but you came as a plan and a creation of the God of the universe. Now, to say that this topic is controversial would be putting it lightly, right? Um, to, to, to debate creation versus evolution versus random chance versus an intelligent designer is extremely controversial. I mean, all you have to do is kind of turn on the news see what the school boards are talking about. And this is almost always on the docket to talk about. And most of us have our heels dug in pretty deep on the issue on which side we belong. But let me just challenge you this morning that whether you believe in creation, that there's an intelligent designer, or whether you believe in evolution, that we all came by chance, both of those are a belief system of faith. Both of those take significant faith because you were not there. You were not there. And so they both are, they both take faith. And you have to believe one or the other. And what I would argue is that if you believe that we are a product of random chance, that we are a product of cells growing, like the video said, goo down to you, you have much more faith than a person who believes in creation. Much more faith because the evidence is lacking. It's a theory. And so you are, maybe you never thought of yourself this way, but you're a person of great faith. Possibly in the wrong thing, but you're a person of great faith because creation seems to have this great evidence that's surrounding us. Many of you have been to Lambeau Field. I think all of you have seen Lambeau Field. It is an amazing structure. It has 
tons of bricks and mortar. Uh, you know, I think about the whole bathroom and kitchen system and how many tubes and pipes and everything going to those wires. And it's, it's absolutely amazing to see what has been built. But none of us would ever start to say, yeah, it just kind of fell together, right? See, if you see a building, it needs a builder. If you see, if you see a piece of art, it needs an artist. If you see a painting, it needs a painter. This uh, actually is my favorite illustration. I just got it this morning from my son, Caleb. As you can see, it is perfect in his daddy's eyes. But a painting has a painter. You know, as we talk about the plumbing and the wires of Lambeau Field, here's an amazing statistic. In our bodies, our network, our plumbing, our wiring, if you took the blood vessels out, which would probably be painful, I don't suggest it, but if you took the blood vessels out and you string them end to end, at, at, at the very most, it says, it could get up to 100,000 miles long, which would be enough to go around the earth four times. So you think the infrastructure of Lambeau Field is complicated. It's complex. It pales in comparison to the human body. It pales in comparison to a leaf. And so to think that it would happen by accident would take great, great faith. And that you might be here today, and that's your belief, and we are glad you're here, but it takes a lot of faith to believe something that complicated, that amazing, that perfect could happen by accident. And so we see that according to the scriptures, and even according to our natural observations of nature, it would seem that we actually have someone who created us, an intelligent designer that knew what they were doing when they put us together. And so what I want to look at for the rest of the sermon is how did God do this? How did God create us? How did God create everything? And there's basically three things I want to walk through today. There is so much I'm skipping over with this text. Obviously, we could go in a lot more depth, but there's three things I really want us to highlight and look at. First off is we see that God created everything from nothing. The Latin phrase for this is ex nihilo. I believe that's how it's pronounced, which means out of nothing. Genesis 1.1, when we read it, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, something that sticks out to me in this verse before we even go into crea creation is that God existed <laughs> before there was time. God existed before there was space. God existed before there was matter. All right, chew on that, take a Tylenol, and then maybe forget about it and just believe it. All right? But God always existed, even before matter or time Existed And in his unceasing wisdom and his power and majesty, he created all things, everything, from nothing. You know, this is in stark contrast to many of the uh, mythological, uh, polytheistic, meaning more than one God, views of the ancient Near East when the Israelites were reading this. Uh, there were some who believed in what's called creato ech material, which means that it was created out of some pre-existent, eternal matter. So there was this eternal Plato 
that God decided, okay, I'm going to take it, I'm going to make this into an earth, this into a star, and so there was this pre-existent material. There's also creato deo, which is created out of the being God, and so there is just some weird, wacky stuff, but like, um, you know, there was a God whose head was chopped off, and uh, it, it made earth, um, their blood makes seas, just weird stuff like that. But this was a lot of the beliefs of that time period when they would have been reading this book, when this book was, re- was written. Uh, later on, in classical philosophy, there was a term that was created called ech nihilo, um, nihil feet. You don't have to memorize it. But what it means is, out of nothing comes nothing. Makes sense, right? Out of nothing comes nothing. It's, a, it's an obvious statement, and this is a completely true statement except for God. Where the Bible says, not out of nothing comes nothing, but out of nothing comes everything from God. I believe in the Big Bang Theory that God spoke and bang, it was there. Out of God, out of nothing came everything. You know, it's funny because I was thinking, trying to think of an illustration of this, and there just isn't an illustration. I mean, how do you give an illustration of nothing, out of nothing coming something? It just doesn't exist in our world, right? I mean, the, the, what's under you, what's above you, what's around you, it was all created. It all came from something. You know, the, the closest thing I could think of is a magician who will make like a tiger appear, but even that is just an illusion, And so God created everything out of nothing. And you may be asking, so what? Who cares? Why does this really matter if God had an eternal clump of Play-Doh to work with or if he created it out of nothing? And here's why. It's because we are called not to worship created things. We're called to worship the creator. We're not called to worship the stars, to read them, to tell our destiny we're called to worship the god who made those stars set them in motion and rules over them we're not called to worship creation when we go out into the wilderness but we're called to look at that creation to be amazed and then be more amazed by the god who made them romans 125 puts it this way it says they exchanged the truth of god for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than creator Everything is created. Everything. Except for God. And it is foolish to worship a thing that is created by a creator that's in charge of it all. We're called to worship the creator. The God who made it all, who sustains it all, who governs it all. We worship him, not the things that he created. So how did God create the world? First off, we see he created it from nothing. Secondly, we see he created it with order. He created with order by arranging it with order and multiplying with order. Look at verse 2 with me. It says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And so God created this Play-Doh to start with. It was void. It, was, it had no form, which means that it was disordered, that it was chaotic. And then verse 2 continues, and it says, And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. This term, this Hebrew term for hovering, refers to a mother bird hovering over her chicks, hovering over her eggs. And so 
they would have read this, expecting, hoping God to bring order into the world, and certainly he did. The Spirit hovers over the world and brings order. We see in the first day, God creates the day and night, cre- creating order in the, in, in the day. Second day, he creates sea and sky, showing that he creates order between what's down here and what's up there. Day three, he creates a fertile earth, and so he organizes, he orders the earth, that there would be some dry land, that there would be some water. Day four, he orders the sun and the moon and the stars that we might have seasons, as the scripture says, that we might have snow in the winter, it might have rain in the, win- in the summer. And so God sets everything into order. It's kind of like this watch that we saw in this video. If you take the watch and you take the parts and you, you, you separate them, you, you, you disorder them, the watch is worthless. We, we throw that away. If it even has one part out of sync, we throw it away because it's worthless. It's not useful to us. It can't run. It can't have any life. And so God creates with order by arranging everything. God also creates with order by multiplying everything after its own kind. Um, Look with me, if you would, in verse 12. It says, The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And so what we learn here is that corn, I know this is amazing, corn produces corn. Roses produce roses. Thorns produce thorns. Wait, that's not right, is it? No, okay. Grass produces grass. Verse 25. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And so, hold on to your seats. Dogs give birth to, what's the answer? Dogs. Cats give birth to cats, right? They come after their own kind. And so God is ordering the earth both through arranging but also through multiplying everything. And when we deny this, we actually deny what is the scientific process that we hold to, that there has to be actual evidence to prove something. There are missing links that scientists were hoping and expecting to discover that they haven't between a monkey and a person, between a cow and a whale. And those links are missing But what God says is, I give birth to the things that they come from. They follow after their own kind. I create order. And this order is a testimony to an intelligent designer. You know, you look even just at like the food uh, cycle. If you take an animal out of it, it puts that whole food chain in great danger. Or you look even like the weather system where God will evaporate the water over the ocean. He'll bring it so that it can rain on vegetation that's not by water, that it might grow, and then it runs off the excess into the rivers, goes back into the ocean where it evaporates and starts all over again. And so you see this amazing design that God has, that God orders creation and it testifies to. And so God creates the world from nothing. He creates the world with order. And finally, God creates the world by his word, by his spoken word, and by his incarnate word. In days one through six, creation account starts. Every single day, it starts, and God said. 
And God said, either to create something or to order something. And then it ends by saying, and there was light. Or it was so. Or God made it happen. And so God speaks things into creation. I don't know if you have this on your cell phone, but on my cell phone I have this button that I use all the time. And what it does is it, you can actually tell the phone what to do. And so I'll hit the little button and it will say, say your command. And I'll say, call home. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I'll say, call home, and it will call home. You know what would be amazing? Give me the phone where I can hit the button, I can say, make hamburger and fries. Like, that's the phone that I want, right? I'd probably pick up 10 of those phones through a drive-thru or something. But give me a hamburger and fries. But even if I set it into the phone, I'd still have to go get the hamburger, <laughs> turn on the grill, light it up. If I said, let there be light, I'd have to walk over to the light switch, flip it on. I can't create by my word. Only God creates. And this is what happened. God speaks his word and life begins. God's word gives life. little trivia for you. What other book of the Bible starts with in the beginning? Anyone know? Any guesses? John. Good. If you would, flip to John chapter 1. In the Red Bible, it's page 866. But there's a significant reason why this book starts the same way the book of Genesis does. It's because there's a new beginning. John chapter 1. And we're going to kind of keep it open there because we're going to look at it in three parts. But read with me 1 through 4. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. Now, this is really confusing language, especially if you're looking at it for the first time, but it's saying that the word is not a thing. The word is a person. And this person that is the word which through everything was made is also the same word in which there is life. So what is that word? Scan down to verse 14 in John 1. And the word became flesh. It became incarnate. It came to earth. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. We are told who is the Word that creates, that gives life. It is the Son of the Father. It is Jesus Christ, is the Word. In Genesis, God brought everything from nothing by the power of His Word. And then He sends His own Son, Jesus, to be the Word. You see, God brought everything into order through his word, but through our sin, we disordered everything. We marred creation. And he sent his son to bring new life, to bring new order, to set everything as it should be. And so the word comes to the world. The creator comes to the creation. And look with me in verse 10 and 11, still in John 1 of what happens when the word comes to the world. It says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. 
And so the people who were made through the word rejected the word. The created rejected their creator. They sent him to the cross. And on the cross, he died for their sins that he might bring new life, new order, that there might be redemption in our lives, that there might be consummation, that we would live with God forever, that in his resurrection, we might walk in newness of life with him. And so you see, there are two beginnings to this story. There is the original beginning, which gets massively broken, and then there is this new beginning with Jesus Christ. And for all who trust in him, and all who trust in what he's done at the cross, there is a life that you have never experienced before. A spiritual life that you have never fully understood that is wonderful and glorious. Let me end with this illustration. There was a professor of biology and every year uh, I don't know if it was the beginning of the year or when they got to this chapter but he would hold up a seed and he would kind of bow to it um, he would pay homage to it and he would hold up that seed and the students were kind of what's he doing this is weird this is strange and then he would go on to say that I have studied seeds all my life I've studied the beginning of life all my life I, know, I can tell you exactly the components of this. I can actually recreate this seed with the right percentage of carbon, with the right percentage of water, the right percentage of whatever else is in there. I can recreate this seed. But when I plant it into the ground, it dissolves. Nothing grows. And then he goes on to tell his students, if I sow the seed that God made, it will spring up into a plant because it contains the mysterious element we call life. It contains the mysterious element we call life. The God of the universe created you with a mysterious element called life that nobody can duplicate. Where do we come from? We come from this God who is amazingly, miraculously wise and wiring us together and then implanting into us this element of life. And then he sends his own son, the very word of God, that he too might bring us newness of life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we praise you for bringing us to life, God. We praise you that you are a wonderful creator, God. And I'm just so excited to dive into the rest of this series with these folks together and discover all the ways this impacts our life, God, that we are not a mistake, that we were not a chance, but that we were intentionally designed by you just the way we are, God. And your works are wonderful. We know that full well. Thank you, God, for being our creator. Thank you, God, for not leaving the earth void and formless, but for creating it for us to enjoy, for us to worship the one who created it. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen.